Hi, I'm Linda Nguyen, and I am the event director for Harmony of the Dragon Lunar New Year Countdown. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over. Thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, there's a proliferation of a lot of TED events for the Vietnamese community uh, here in California and across the country. And it's so important to me today to talk about like the way these things are put together, the trials, the tribulations, the challenges, the rewards, and why we do this. So thank you so much for being open to coming on and, and discussing your journey through this. Yes, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Mm -hmm. So it's a positive thing. And I'm glad to see that these things are, are, are going on. You know, there's a lot of these things going on. Can we talk about how you uh, were, you know, asked to, to organize something like this? Yeah. Um, you know, to Teresa, who works with Little Saigon TV, uh, we serve on the Asian Business Association board together. And you know, I had let her know what I was doing, you know, but I, you know, I'm a venture builder. So I work with visionaries and help them, you know, execute upon their visions. And she had a vision to put together this event. And, um, you know, typically Little Saigon TV on a yearly basis, they do their Lunar New Year, New Year countdown at the temple. And this year they wanted to do something um, for the younger generation. Um, yeah, just to bridge that gap. And, uh, you know, ha hopefully to have our, our, our older generation have a better understanding of our youth. And so I stepped in to um, assist with this project. And uh, here I am as the event director. So what um, Little Saigon TV is a, a TV station in Orange County. It's a, a fairly long, it has a longstanding history in our community as a, um, you know, as a news outlet, uh, some lifestyle stuff. And Teresa uh, is the person who is organizing sort of like this, uh, getting this team together through you to put on this big um, countdown event on February 9th. And, you know, what was the initial vision that Teresa had? Yeah, it was just a community event, just local. Um, we were looking at local artists and her vision was to highlight um, Gen Z. And I come from, I'm on the cusp of Gen X and millennial. And, and I thought to myself, well, you know, you really need to get Gen Z in, right? Uh, you know, millennials, Gen Zs to come in to, to steer us in the direction that, um, to execute on G. Teresa's vision. And so I brought in Vit, uh, Vietnamese Creatives Collective um, because I felt really strongly um, in having them on the team because I've seen how they executed before. And more importantly, it's the background work. It's a lot of details. It's, uh, and they get it. They understand what goes into the the event itself in the coronation the prep. Um, so I brought them in. Um, and also just to get their understanding of what Gen Z wants. Uh, who am I to come in to say, you know, it should be this way or it should be that way. It's when they have a different understanding of, of what it should be. Um, then I realized I came in as that bridge, right? The bridge between Little Saigon TV and Gen Z um, to help ease the, um, the any kind of concerns they may have around um, 
you know, the direction that it should go. Yeah. The, the importance of this conversation today is to probably let the public know and also let producers, event producers throughout the country know what we go through when we put on these kind of events. This is my fourth year in the podcast. We've put on multiple events. I know that this space for you is almost sacred. And I want people to kind of get a real big picture of the intricacies and the complexities of putting something like this on. And when I talk about the intricacies and complexities, we're talking gender, we're talking generational, we're talking all kinds of cultural nuances that is trying to put all these Vietnamese facets together to go and do one thing, which is to celebrate that and, you know, really have a good celebration so we can bridge all of these different communities of, of Vietnamese people together. Um, I want to really talk about right now the VCC, which is the Viet uh, Creative um, like the community that, yeah, that you're that you're talking about. Um, it comprises of um, a few uh, really talented uh, young women. Uh, it's Jacqueline and Kate, right? Are the are the founders, um, and they've really done a lot of work uh, prior to to coming on to this event. But tell me a little bit about more of you know you you said that they were the young generation, but what kind of work have they done before that that you could talk about? Yeah, just based on what I can remember, you know, their inaugural event, uh, um at Phuc uh, You know, it was their inaugural event, first event. Um, you know, I remember being, I may be their first sponsor, um, just to give them a little seed money to get started and to see them, um, you know, go through the same challenges that we're having here. It's the last two weeks of the event. It's, you know, people don't buy tickets into the last minute. Um, they're trying to feel out, well, am I going to this event or that event? Um, and just to be able to see them pull together. And it's just not a, you know, you know, it was a collaboration, right? It was a collaboration of our entire community coming together to support, um, you know, but to get 800 plus people to come out on a, a you know first year event, um, it was amazing for them. Of course, there's always hiccups. Um, there's a lot of to be learned. And, you know, but yeah, their, their mission of highlighting young Vietnamese American creatives, you know, it's just like the Vietnamese podcast, you know, it's, it's highlighting our Vietnamese community. And I truly believed in what they're doing. And since then, they put on smaller events, um, I believe they did, you know, uh, Vietnamese um, in music, um, just real voices, um, just I've just seen their passion and their authenticity um, is what I gravitate towards. This episode is brought to you by Red Boat Fish Sauce. I love cooking with Red Boat because it's made with only two ingredients, wild-caught anchovies and sea salt. This premium fish sauce is made in Phu Quoc, Vietnam and bottled right here in California. You can find Red Boat at select Asian supermarkets like 99 Ranch, H Mart, and Tong Phak. Yeah, and they did a thing with Gauki Yuing too, right? They did a, a talent one, which was amazing. I heard really good things about that. I've been to the first inaugural event at Fukuoka that they pulled off. It was packed. And, you know, I think about them as the future. And um, many times men 
in my generation, when we when we look at you know those kinds of um, demographics, you know, young women, we there's something built in in us thinking that you know what they do is you know, and now I'm just speaking from my own experience and people around me. We have this men have this sort of like um, dismissive, right? It's just this initial thing and we compete with other men too but when it comes to the ability to kind of like recognize the work that they've done we have to put more effort into really seeing the importance of where they're where they're going and i i really want to talk about that yeah you know oh gosh sharing the experience of working on this project it's it's so much detail putting together an event and women, I do have to say, we do a great job at multitasking, yeah. right? There's so many elements that go into the event in the background. I mean, you're you're putting in hundreds of hours to put on an event that's five hours. <laughs> so when men come in and they have an idea, it's, well, it took you five seconds to think of that idea, but you don't see how it, it would take us five hours, maybe yeah. five days to execute. And, and so um, I, I think we're at a point where it's like, we're ready to take some credit for all this work that we do rather than to be relegated to the background. And, and um, you know, for, for anybody, not just men, but just for somebody to come in, throw their idea at us. Um, in addition to the, the, just so many things that we have to do, it, it just, it kind of breaks our flow right? We're in this flow, we have a plan, and then something's thrown in. It's like a cog in the wheel. It's like, oh, no. And it kind of takes us back for a moment. And um, it sets us back. It really does. And But then we have to pull together. We have to pull our emotions together and and push forward. You know, yeah. the, the mechanics of what you're talking about is, is something that, you know, I, I want to talk about deeply and discuss deeply because you you and I, we, we're experiencing this in real time. And we're here on the podcast today to, to talk about these things because without these kind of conversations, it's hard to, to see and recognize publicly. Men, I think of my generation uh, and some of the people, the collaborators that I've brought on board, uh, we, we have this experience of having done, you know, I was doing events uh, in the nineties, you know, promoting clubs. And so the flow of these things are, are for me and my collaborators, same experience. We're seeing things on you. Like you said, we see, and we throw out these ideas and what we are not thinking about is who's executing this stuff on the ground. Mm -hmm. And I think having the ability to fight is something that I talk about with you constantly. Mm -hmm. um, these last four years, I put on several events and what I've noticed is our inability or, or lack of willingness to fight. And yeah. fighting is a good thing because, you know, like couples in love, if you're really in love with somebody and they irk you or they hurt you, it's because you really care about them, you know? And, and the minute that we don't fight, the minute that we don't uh, correspond with each other, is really when you know, like the the relationship is not really gonna go anywhere, you know. Um, so that being said, I had to um, take many deep breaths to understand. Wait a minute, I got to put myself in the shoes of 
the 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 women that are on this team and i think that that's kind of unnatural uh to do as a human being is to to take a step a, a deep breath and really think about like what am i doing why am why are these people upset at me you know and and to take that step back and go honestly okay this is not helping the, the the greater good here my involvement is really slowing the team down yeah i mean you taught me such a huge lesson um in about you know about fighting it's fighting is a good thing and we don't fight enough yeah you know those words really stuck with me it was like we don't fight enough and all I could think about was just pushing forward. It's putting that wall up and blocking these men out yeah. <laughs> and just pushing forward with the women on the team. But then I realized it's a collaborative effort and we need we need everyone involved. Yeah. And for you to make me realize I needed to stop and fight, um, I was so thankful. Like we needed to have those conversations because we need to um I I think I was trying not to be emotional, but you gave me the opportunity to lay it out and be emotional and and let the others hear the pain I was going through, the um, the stress I was under. And, you know, I, I think I'm glad that we're on, you know, on this podcast to talk about it because our community does need to fight. Um, we do. Yeah, and, and this lack of communication between generations and genders, it doesn't help because if you didn't speak up, if I didn't speak up, we wouldn't have empathy for what the other person's going through, right? It, it really is so important to know that you are feeling a certain way. I mean, and people say, oh, you know, this new generation is so sen sensitive and, you know, no, it, it's important to be sensitive. It's important to know that there's human beings on the other receiving end of our communication or forceful communication in, 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 you know, on the gender side, you know, conversationally on the gender side, there is a, a, you know, a, a, a lack of empathy for what um, is, you know, being received on the other end. And I think that that sensibility and that sensitivity is so um, it's like ground zero today with where we are as a community, uh, Vietnamese American community. It's I'm, I'm sure this is happening in Vietnam too, but we we need to do you know men need to do better and that that's really um and something i want to emphasize yeah you know you made me realize something uh you know about putting myself in someone else's shoes right is i didn't take that time to put myself into your shoes and think why is he telling me this why is he coming up with these ideas or why is he not helping me? He's coming up with ideas, but he's not helping me. Yeah. And then I realized, you just made me realize it's just innately in men yep. to, to be fixers, right? To be solvers, to be problem solvers. Um, so you you came with a solution, but you didn't come with how. Yeah. 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 So I. Yeah. And yeah. and that's, you know, that's a, a, a thing. You know, it's a real thing. I, I watched the dynamics in my own family, you know. It, my dad had a lot of ideas, but my mom was the person who executed, you know, silently executing, painfully executing for 40 years of their marriage. You know, it's like, um, it's so unfair, you know, and uh, I think that's the almost the beauty of being a Vietnamese American is that we can talk about this, we can discuss it, and we can do better. It's just a matter of really talking about, you know, how things are done. And, and hopefully that the women are are um feeling comfortable enough to 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 speak up and and talk about these things 
Yeah. And I do want to touch upon just, I was so thankful and so grateful that you were open to being vulnerable and, and listening and understanding. I mean, I, I took so much time to craft this email to you to share what we were all feeling. Yeah. And I only hit send because I knew you cared. And that was the only reason why I took the time to do it because I knew you cared enough to, um, you know, to, to really understand what we were going through, because I don't think anybody told you what we were going through on such a limited team. We were, were three women, three and a half with my daughter. Um, and I only put my daughter in because I needed additional resources. I needed additional help. Um, you know, Little Saigon TV gave us this responsibility, gave this opportunity that we need to seize. And, and, and it's really for, you know, it's a, it's an opportunity you just don't give up, right, for our community to highlight our young Vietnamese Americans. It, and again, I, I talk about all of these um, issues today because it's a it's a big thing that this February 9th event at the Garden Grove Amphitheater is happening because it's really bridging, really bridging a big gap. Um, Little Saigon TV owners and the management there are much they're they're like our parents generation for the most part and then there's you and i that are in the middle the second generation and the vcc team is the youngest generation and we're dealing with these generational uh dynamics little saigon tv would like to see a certain demographic they, they like to serve and open up for a, a certain demographic but you're on the ground you're right in the middle and it's so important to really talk about the difficulties of really being in the middle of all. I mean, you're literally being in the middle of all of this and trying to coordinate all of the action to this big event. This is a, a big, you know, a brand new event that that doesn't typically happen on New Year's uh, countdown for Lunar New Year's Dead. And I want to see more of these event happening uh, in our community. So can you talk about the the sort of the generational sort of viewpoint of where you're sitting? Yeah, you know, we have to consider the the generational dynamics, right? Uh, in our mind, we realize this is more of a music festival style, but our parents' generation is used to Paris by night, right? You're seated in your seat for four plus hours for a yeah. concert, but it's not like that for the younger dem demographic. It's music festival style. You come and go, you walk in and out, you, you, you know, traverse around the, the venue, um, you grab a drink, nobody stays seated. And so we have to be mindful of that and, and really help, uh, help the organizers understand that it's not what you're accustomed to. Um, these are the things that, you know, they're not going to want to see. You know, we typically have the the flyers, right, with everyone's faces on it. Um, but we created something that was more music festival style um, for the flyer. And it's just making sure that the difficult part for with this event was trying to appeal to both dynamics. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, well, who are you appealing to? Yeah. Are you appealing to Gen Z? Are you uh, appealing to, um, you know, Gen X and, and boomers? It's finding that middle ground that scares me. It's like, who am I appealing to in the end? And who are we bringing out? Then I realize I, I have to come back and remember you and me. We are the bridge. And that's where you start. It's the millennials, the Gen X, 
before you really get to, while we are highlighting, you know, Gen Z, um, we need to get millennials and Gen X on board to support this event. Um, and, and so to be that bridge and to be that, you know, bridge that gap. Yeah. When you're trying to serve everybody, you really serve nobody. Yes. Right. And that's where I feel, I do feel that's where I'm at. I am like, who am I serving? <laughs> yeah. But you know, if we are trying to serve the millennial and Gen Z, the younger generation, it's really a different level of service. And it's a different vision because I think that the American sort of way of looking at music festivals and moving around and not standing and seated and, you know, just sort of the mobility at an event, very different from Paris by night and the traditional way of putting on these kinds of shows. It's like sitting in one place for five hours, you know, easily five. I've been to one Paris by night. It was like seven hours or something like that. Ooh. So the attention span of the youth is different. The kind of musical genres are different. And then trying to infuse these sort of like lion dances, these sort of like different facets of, of, of entertainment for the young is, is quite different than what we would expect to do for the older generation. Yeah, it's infusing the tradition, right? Infusing tradition was where it was difficult for me to figure out how to incorporate because if I throw it into the middle of the program, that's when you know our, our attendees will get up and probably walk around because they're not familiar, right? We're, we're Vietnamese Americans now. For example, I was born here. So to throw something extremely traditional in the middle, it would probably lose my interest and I would get up and walk away and, and use the restroom or take a break. Um, so those are the things that I had to navigate. Um, other things I had to navigate, it's, you know, we're, we're used to giving sponsors time on stage, yeah. right? <laughs> the, the giving, you know, think about uh, your in-between performances, you get a sponsor who gets up and speaks. Well, our younger demographic, again, will get up Use the restroom break time because they think of it as a commercial break. Right. Yes. You get turned off and then you just yes. get up. And so those are the dynamics I had to navigate. It's it's okay. We're going to give sponsors their spotlight, but how else can we do it? Put up a retractable banner, um, project them on the video wall, give them social media, um, you know, a shout out. But those are the things, right? Just putting on this event is the the generational dynamics that was. Uh, difficult to navigate and and was also uh, I had to choose the right words and yeah. try to relay that information. You know, it's like at the end of the day, when when I think about this with you, I'm like, why do we do this? Why are we trying to? <laughs> and 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 I'm asking in a serious way. I'm not saying, well, why are we wasting our time or why are we expending so much energy? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, what is the importance? of bringing tradition into our young communities. Why is that even, a, because when I think about the Japanese communities, four generations, five generations later, mm -hmm. most of them don't even speak Japanese anymore. Most of them don't even care to go back to the homeland. They view themselves as American. So are we fighting a fight that's worth it? You know, I, I wanna ask you that because I, I, I think about this quite a bit. I'm like, I fight for for tradition and culture and everything, but I also understand that it's boring sometimes. You know, it, you know. So wh why why do we do this? I'm going to use myself as an example, just because I was born here, right in the states. Um, growing up, tradition was forced upon you, right? It's um, you 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 greet our elderly a certain way. We 
we follow certain customs and traditions just because we have to, right? When you're young and you have to do something, it's not fun. Um, it was never really explained to me why. Um, it wasn't until about, I would say, getting, you know, seven, seven, eight years ago when I started getting more involved with the Vietnamese community that I found people who were my peers, who were my age and were, you know, putting on an aoyai was fun at first, right? It was not really about uh, why do we put it on? But it was just like, oh, it's fun. It was like a costume, right? It's yeah. just like Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Our Lunar New Year is like Halloween, right? You just put on this aoyai and never really thought about why. And then I started thinking back, uh, you know, um, when my dad took me to Vietnam. And there's just something about being on a motorcycle, you know, uh, being on, you know, being in the streets, eating street food. And we don't have that here. You know, I I live in Little Saigon and I'm the cl I'm closest to you know, Saigon itself, but it's just, there's just something about it that now that I have my daughter, I want to teach her, um, you know, because she's far removed from Vietnam. She hasn't been to Vietnam to see what it's like, but I see her watching videos. She has that curiosity. So now I have an obligation. I have a duty, a responsibility to, to teach her. And how do I teach her when I've grown up so Americanized? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's where I feel this is my personal example as to why this um, event is it means so much to me. But yes. I do want to ask you, like, yes. why the Vietnamese podcast, right? Why not, you know, the Asian American podcast, but why Vietnamese podcast? Because I am on this journey to answer that very question. You know, I think I'm going to spend a lifetime trying to figure out why the Vietnamese culture is so important to me, even though many of it is, you know, boring. Many of it is sort of like not me, you know, there's so much um, in the uh, old country, you know, I can call it the old country because it's, you know, it's our parents where they came from in the old country. There's things that they do that just doesn't make any sense to me. But as I, try to discover more and more stories that are within the country, old country, and then with the new, you know, the diaspora, there's um, a beauty to seeing how the Vietnamese has evolved. Um, but I don't want us to be like the Japanese five generations downstream. I want us to be more cohesive. I want us to have more an appreciation for the difficulties that our ancestors and our previous generations. And I think having that like respect and that deep understanding of our cultural values is very important because then it informs future generations on how to be distinctly who we are. You know, it gives us a blueprint. Yeah. You could be an American, you could be an European, you could be an Australian or British person that are, is, you know, uh, with Vietnamese roots, but then are we just going to become like whatever that country that we all got exported to, right? It just, yeah. you know, there's like these layers of like beauty coming from tradition that I want to kind of like keep informing our community as it's evolving and growing, but I don't want to, I don't want to lose and forget. So that's why I want to really like work with you and, you know, the VCC team and make sure that, you know, this is not the only, this is not a one-off event for us. You know, I want to make sure that all the collaborators that, you know, that are in our community, the men can work with the women, the old can work with the young so we can, you know, show the world how beautiful the Vietnamese 
communities can work together. And, and I think it's a pot. I think it's very possible because, you know, this is my fifth, sixth event um, in the last two years. And I, every one of them had fights. Every one of them had breakdowns. Every one of them, two weeks, 10 days before the event, we were just like, oh, this is not going to work. You know, every one of them, every single event that I've done has this dynamic. So um, I, I, I want to make sure that we, we get used to this. We get used to to seeing this. Otherwise we're all just going to stop and just go out and, you know, focus on our jobs and careers and make money, you know, in our real life. And that's what's been going on in the last 50 years in America is the Vietnamese community. We we've been, you know, struggling to survive and make money and and create savings and, and generational wealth, but not a lot of effort has been, to bridge the gap, which you're doing um, very, very, um, you're, you're putting a lot of work into that. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I do ask myself sometimes, like, why do I do this? Because it's so much emotion, so much stress, so much thought that goes into it. It's all consuming. It really is. It is. It's really all consuming. But, uh, but you and I, we're here. We're here to um, keep tradition alive. Um, for our Vietnamese community. All right. Well, now let's get into the event. Let's talk about what is going on on February 9th. What exciting uh, things that you pro- that you and and the team has programmed for the community for February 9th. Yes, we have different you know performers through different mediums. Whereas there's comedy, there's um, let's see, there's comedy, there's dancers, there's singers. Um, you know, we have bands just to show the diversity of, of talents in our community. So we're excited to feature them. And, um, you know, so it's, it is different genres of music, uh, which is going to be awesome to see. I mean, you have from folk, um, folk to pop. Uh, yeah. It's just exciting to alternative rock. <laughs> you know, and, and why is this important to feature all these you know, I, I'll start with this. If we think about it, all of these actors, all of these singers, these performers, these the talent has spent hours of their lives dedicated to their craft and they're struggling to create beauty and they're bringing that to the stage in, in, in whether it's mainstream or that the community gets a glimpse of their sort of their performances in this event. And, and it's important because without the stage that they're being offered at February 9th, you know, there's, they're out there really doing their thing in the, in the mainstream and trying to get a leg up in the mainstream. But we as a Vietnamese community need to get behind these talented people and support and, and begin to understand that there's a whole generation of Vietnamese American performers in the world of mainstream that are trying to, you know, make uh, ascend and put their name out on the map in the, in the real world. Yeah. There's one performer in particular and he's just so excited. And I, I was thinking, but you're so you're in mainstream, right? You're out there. You, you're, you made a name for yourself outside of the Vietnamese community. Why are you so excited? And he said, it's because I've never seen anything like this for yeah. the Vietnamese community. And it just made me, it got, I did get emotional because I just, it made every um, challenge and obstacle worth it. 
And when he said that, I just thought, wow, you're already out there. You're doing well. <laughs> you're, you know, you're doing, you know, extremely well out there, you know, with the non-Asian, I mean, non-Vietnamese community. And um, he's very connected in the Korean community and he's done very well. And, but when he said that, it just makes it all worthwhile. And you realize the purpose of this event is being met. Oh, that's great to hear. You know, that um, that enthusiasm is probably shared um, throughout the younger generation's, um, you know, ethos that the way that they think about being part of the community and it's a home, you know, we should we should have a home for these performers that are, you know, uh, trying to break into the mainstream in America and, and international markets. It's like you need to have a home. We need to have a place for them to look forward to and say, hey, this is where we started and you know like the viet film festival right like what vala and isale has done for the viet community she has really planted the seeds for a home base for vietnamese filmmakers mm -hmm. and it's throughout international you know it's a vietnamese international film festival and what you're doing now is very similar to what Isa is doing, but you're doing it for a general performing, you know, uh, different artists, you know, a variation of artists, uh, whereas v uh, VIF has been focused on film. And you could see today the, the flowers that are blooming in that garden. And I, and I, you know, I just started thinking about it right now as we're talking that the, that the garden bed that you are, you know, preparing for our community, whether it's this event or iterations of this event in the future, is so important to have a community of, uh, of, of artists come together. Yes. You know, um, speaking of home, right? Little Saigon is Westminster Garden Grove. This event will be held in Garden Grove and that will be the home right, for these artists, because I realize some of these artists come from L.A. And in, you know, Vietnamese community in L.A. is pretty scattered throughout. And and so to give them a home here in Orange County, um, in Little Saigon and Garden Grove, that's, um, you know, you're, you're making me realize so many things that I didn't even think of because I'm in the trenches, right? Yeah. I'm putting on this event. I'm working out the details that, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful for our media partners partners to help us promote because I don't even have time to even ask my friends to come. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, I, I completely <laughs> empathize with that journey. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's a tricky thing. You know, let's talk about the competition in that night uh, competition with other events and not even other events, but the tradition of going to temple that yeah. night. It's a big, that whole thing is like a competitive thing that we have to deal with um for for the for the youth and for their parents yeah so many competing events that night there is a k-pop concert right in la so that takes away from our gen z demographic there's uh well gen z half of them are under 18 right and there's curfew at 10 p.m yeah our event goes on to to midnight and then you have their parents who go to the temple so now it's like a tug of war uh, let's see what else do we have going on. We have the traditional Vietnamese um, concerts that go on at you know the restaurants, the local restaurants. Then it's Valentine's weekend, mm -hmm. <laughs> so there we're competing with lovers and, and <laughs> yeah, there's so much going on. Then we have of course uh, UVSA, UVSA puts on their 
that festival, which is the largest event, and they're having their um, pageant or something like that. Pageant right? the same night, so there is a lot of competing dynamics. Um, you know, I, I think between you, the media partners, uh, you know, Johnny, coming up with the idea of reaching out to to students and teachers. Um, you know, it it was a great <laughs> it was a great uh, thought, and we co quickly compiled a list of educators to reach out to. And um, so hopefully we'll seek some support there. Yeah. Shout out to all the, the media partners that are helping to collab, you know, um, you know, starting with Little Saigon TV. I want to recognize, you know, that great effort. Um, Little Saigon Official, Fudda Culture, VidQ Media, all these partnerships, um, you know, VCC and you. I mean, this is like a real big collective effort. It's the first of its kind if you think about it, right? It's yeah i'm very proud to be to be asked to you know to to be a part of this event and um, i'm very proud that this event is existing and i know that we're up against a, a lot of uh different um traditions that you know temple and you know the uvsa but at the same time if we don't try to do something different we won't have another avenue of tradition to go forward with without um you know with with the the idea of engaging the youth we won't we just won't have a way to do it if we don't do this yes and we really just figure it out right the last last week last week or two of the event we just figure it out and i know we're going to have a great turnout <laughs> yeah we will we will i'm i'm very confident because like i've said many times on 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 this podcast with you that it looks bleak like a month out, two months out, or, you know, when, when you start doing this and you start putting the pieces together, it's like so much iterate iterative sort of actions. And you just don't see the, the sort of like where it's going and it, it gets dark and bleak. But when you start to come to sort of like the third or fourth, you know, three, three or four days out, you, things start to get, you know, really awesome. And then the night of the, the event, it just, you know, things turn out a, a certain way and there's this sort of cathartic feeling um, after the event. Yeah, and we definitely wanted to keep it simple. Um, and, you know, we do have some vendors, but we try to limit the vendors just so that our team can actually enjoy as well. And we're yeah. not just running around with our head cut off on the day of the event. We do want to be able to step back and just stand and watch a performance or two. Yeah. Can can we talk about the theme, um, how you name the event and what does that mean for sort of like the the night? How does that guide the night? Yeah, so Little Saigon TV actually came up with the name Harmony of the Dragon. Um, and so we kind of built off that word harmony. Uh, we used that word and we just said, okay, how do you, we create that harmony between generations? The harmony between, you know, what, what is that, that common ground? Um, is that we're Vietnamese Americans, um, you know, despite your age, despite your generation, um, your viewpoints. The harmony is the fact that we're Vietnamese Americans. That's beautiful. And, you know, the talent that you guys have invited to perform really shows up in that sort of harmony. There's um, there's a, a comedy group, uh, Embarrassed by Night, I believe, right? You guys invited Embarrassed by Night. That's like, you know, that's a brand new thing in the world. If you think about it, you know, it's like that never happened five years ago, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. These guys are like, uh, you know, younger than us. And they just... Uh, are really doing their best to put on comedy shows um, up and down California. And this is happening in New York. And so having that sort of like that 
harmony of different performances, different styles of entertainment is so important to what we're what what you guys are trying to do. Yeah, and we're giving them that platform to to do what they want to do, right? Not what our parents wanted yeah. or, or expected of us. It's they're they're doing what they want to do, and this is why we're doing it. And and we're going to show our our older generations, you know, how talented they are. Now, this next question is a learning question, a teaching question, a teachable moment for other organizers across the country trying to uh, create these sort of like events. If you were to see yourself two months ago, what mm -hmm. would you have said to yourself? What are the things that you could have told yourself going into uh, the planning, the putting all of this together? What would you have told the Linda two months ago um, before you started this endeavor? Hmm. What would you have warned yourself? What would you have motivated yourself? What kind of words, kind of ideas would you throw out there to, to the Linda two months ago? Yeah, it's to fight. <laughs> it's to fight. It's just to keep fighting. Um, you know, once once I get hit with something, just keep pushing forward. And and that's what you taught me. It's it's a biggest lesson for me, I have to say. It really we're doing, we have to teach um, our peers to fight. Um, we really do. It's just, that's all I could really think yeah. of is to yeah, yeah. fight. Because, you know, when, when we, we were, when I was experiencing those obstacles, I really did put up a wall because I was protecting the VCC ladies, right? I was protecting them so they can focus on coordinating the event. I also, I also became that, um, I had to absorb um, what was going on because I didn't want Little Saigon TV to know that, okay, there we're, we're hitting challenges, we're hitting obstacles. But I also didn't want VCC to know everything because I didn't want them to slow down. But I was slowing down. I realized I was personally mm. slowing down because I was exhausted from dealing with um, dynamics, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, gender dynamics, right? And generational dynamics and it was a lot for me to take in and um, I may not have shown it um, to everyone, but when I was alone, it was just a lot for me to bear. Yeah. 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 Keep fighting. And, 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 you know, I think it's, it's a muscle that we have to condition. You know, that's mm -hmm. what I'm realizing. Like this fighting, we're not used to it. We're not used to like getting into brawls, like verbally. And, you know, we're, we're just used to kind of like repressing our feelings and then it festers, you know, like, had you not told me about all the feelings that you felt about my, you know, being on that one call, it was messy. It was a messy call for me. And, um, you know, I would not have known. There was no way. And then if you silently cut me out, you know, and, and I want to air this stuff because it's important that yeah. publicly I, I can, you know, um, talk about it so it could be things that we've learned um, as we're in the trenches together, but had you not spoken up or, you know, been open about it, I would have been forever blind to this blind spot. Yeah. And, you know, when you apologized, I thought it's not that I, I didn't accept your apology, but it was like, well, anybody can apologize, but let's publicly talk about it so that, you know, what, what will this apology do? You know, so let's yeah. publicly talk about it and and help others see their blind spots and be more sensitive to women. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's a, it's an ongoing thing. I think men in my generation pushing 50 or guys in their 50s, and we're not even going to talk about the older guys. I mean, like a, <laughs> yeah, we we have to do better, you know, and, and you know, Linda, this is not the first time that I've been in this situation. This is a different sort of variation to like previously. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you two examples. For many years, I was ingrained that, you know, when I go to parties, I don't talk to the girlfriends and the wives and my my men friends. You don't do that because you don't want to, you know, make it seem on an optics level that you're like flirting with anybody's wives or girlfriends. So you stay very away from the, the group of wives and the, and the, and the girlfriends. So that's like how I was raised. And I was being called out um, by a, a, my very good friends that sat me down and said, for years, you ignore us. I'm like, wow, I did not think of it that way. They go, why can't you just come over and spend some time with us? You see that guy, that guy, but these are young guys, you know, in their, in their 30s that were able to organically just go over and hang out with the group of women, spend quality time conversing, having drinks with the girlfriends and the wives, you know, it was a natural thing for the younger men. For me, it was like so difficult and excruciating to go and sit down with the women in my, like, this is my, I've known these people for like a decade and a half. And I got called out for it a few years ago. You ignore us. And I'm like thinking to myself, oh my God, they're right. This is very hurtful. I have to do better. And, and that planting of that seed at that moment made me realize like I have to do. So this is going to be a growing problem for, for, for all of us. You know, there's these little things that culturally Confucius kind of planted these seeds, you know? So it, it, it's, we, we can't function like that in America because that's just not the right way to do it. Yes. Yes. And, you know, thank you for being open to having this discussion. Yeah. So what are you hoping to be the ultimate outcome of this event? Ooh, of course, a great turnout, which I know will have a great turnout. Um, you know, everything will fall into place. It's what I'm looking forward to is that moment after the event ends and we all look at each other. Yeah. And it's like, we did it. We did it. All of that. All that pain, all those misunderstandings, um, all the fighting was worth it. That's a great answer. Yeah. So can you give me some details of the event so we can um, let everybody know? Um, it's February 9th uh, this year, 2024. I say the year because, you know, in a few years, this <laughs> is going to be something that I can point back to and say, oh, yeah, that was 2024 that we went through um, this, this uh, event. So February 9th, 2024, this year. Mm -hmm. It's going to be at the Garden Amp in Garden Grove and off Historic Main Street. And we'll have vendors, we'll have food, we'll have, um, God, you know, we commissioned, uh, we we licensed artwork from Brian Huang. So, you know, Vietnamese Canadian. So we're not just highlighting Vietnamese Americans, right? And we have a Vietnamese Canadian. Um, just highlighting art. Um, we have different mediums of art. And that's what I'm excited about featuring. Yeah, that that that's amazing. And it's going to be cold, I, I imagine. <laughs> yes. 
it's going to be cold. And the reason we bring that up is because we're going all the way to the countdown, right? So it's from what time to what time? So it's the arrivals at seven. The program really begins at nine. Um, you know, all the artists uh, and performers will be pre performing between nine to midnight when we do the countdown. Oh, okay. So from seven to nine, there's no, um, there's no performances. We what have it's arrivals, and as well as we have Demon Slayer, who's going to do oh, a DJ. Yeah, Demon Slayer is um, a Vietnamese DJ. Um, mm -hmm. He grew up in LA, spent a lot of time in Saigon, and now he goes back and forth quite a bit. Yeah. But he's, uh, you know, tell me, do you, like, what was the decision to to bring Demon Slayer on? Uh, VCC had him before, so we, I wanted to make sure we incorporated people that they knew. Um, makes it easier, you know. Again, it started as a community event, just small local event. Um, we just somewhere along the line, we got a little more ambitious and decided to go with bigger names. <laughs> but yeah. it did start with just within our network, and you know, considering time, we only had like a month to put this together. Um, yeah, D and D Demon Slayer is a, a you know not just a DJ, but he is actually an, an artist as well, a very respected artist in, in the Vietnamese um you know Vietnamese culture throughout the you know in Saigon, LA. He's he's done quite a bit. He's commissioned by um big some some corporations to do the music, to do art. He's so he's got a very uh, very cool. I, I'm glad that VCC picked Demon Slayer because his profile is. People should look into it. He's actually been on the podcast before too. Awesome. Yeah. You know, considering our, our limited community budget, we were very thankful that a lot of people were willing to come onto this project and were very passionate about it. Yeah. One thing people don't realize is how much money and effort it costs to put on shows like this. Yes. Lots of money and securing sponsorships. Um, no, that's, that's a thing. There's marketing, there's sponsorships. It's, making sure that the sponsors receive everything that we we promise in the package. So that's why I say, guys, when you come up with ideas. <laughs> to there's deliverables. There's yeah. all these deliverables that you have to do for your sponsor. There's a lot of work. And then guys just roll in. I mean, literally men just roll in and be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. here's all these lists of things you need to do. But yeah, you're right. How are they going to get executed? <laughs> mm -hmm. And you know, that that's, you know, something that we, again, we need to work on and get better as a community to, you know, have anybody who's throwing ideas around to be like, okay, I'm going to back that up with, here's how I'm going to help. And, and that is like the biggest takeaway from this event for me. It's like, all right, you have these ideas. Well, how are you going to execute? Are you going to jump in and, and, and back the team up? Yes. And also it was the dynamics too. It wasn't just, I wasn't the sole decision maker. Yeah. You know, I, I need to make sure that I let little Saigon TV know what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. So the layer there, there's an extra layer of approval. Yeah. Well, I look forward to uh, February 9th. Uh, I'm going to come bundled up. Oh, age, age. What about age uh, range? All ages. Yeah, all all ages. So yes. this is appropriate for all ages. Yes. We made okay. sure we, we reached out to all of the artists to let them know. Yeah, and it is no, live broadcast as well. It, it oh, there's a live. It's a live pro, bro, broadcast. Yes, it is. On well, little I'm excited. <laughs> well, we will uh, see everybody down there February 9th at the Garden Grove Amphitheater, um, off of the historic uh, Main Street in Garden Grove, and um, I can't wait to celebrate. Yes, see you all there. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Vietnamese with Kenneth Wynn. Special thanks to Brittany Tran, to Jane Wynn, Catherine Wynn, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Crystal Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. 
at the Vietnamese podcast.